Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. But joining us now on Sports Talk New York is Dick Hoopsweiss. For those of you who don't know Dick, or at least know his work, and everybody should, he's the Dean of College Basketball Writers. Dick is an award-winning sports writer and columnist who has covered college football and college professional basketball for the Philadelphia Daily News and the New York Daily News for 40 years. Dick has been president of the U.S. Basketball Writers Association and the College Football Writers of America. He's also co-written several books with legendary college coaches Rick Pitino, John Calipari, Dick Vitale, and authored a tribute book on Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski. Dick's true love for the game of basketball began during his days in Philadelphia, where he covered Big Five college hoops at the Palestra for the Philadelphia Daily News for 19 years. He takes pride in the fact that for a period of seven to eight years while he covered college basketball in Philadelphia during its heyday, he never missed a game in the arena he is credited with coining as the Palestra Cathedral of Basketball. Dick Hoopsweiss is featured in articles and shows on Big Ten TV, Coach George Raveling, Blue Star Media, and American East and Big East Conference. He's appeared on our show before, and we're excited to have him back again with us tonight to talk some college hoops. So welcome, Dick. Hey, Jay, how are you? Okay, how are you? <laughs> So I'm impressed that you did your homework. <laughs> well, we, we try. We try. And I, and I, that was new. I didn't dust it off from the last time you were on the show either. Very nice. So, Very nice. so the, the big story in college basketball this week happened 30 seconds into the Duke-North Carolina game last Wednesday when Zion Williamson took a tumble and hurt his knee. So the injury does not appear to be serious, but the whole situation left a lot of questions unanswered, the first of which is, will Zion Williamson play again this year? I think he will. I think that he has said he wanted to go to college to try to win a championship. I know there have been a lot of pundits out there suggesting that he should shut it down so he doesn't affect his draft status. But I think this is this is not a, a, a serious injury. I think he likes his teammates and wants to play before he makes the transition to the NBA, where he probably will still be the number one pick. He's the most exciting player in college basketball. The only, I mean, the only sad person, the saddest person in Cameron may not have been Zion Williams and may have been the guy that plunked down $10,000 for a ticket to watch him play, <laughs> got to see warm-ups yeah. in the 33 seconds before uh, his... Uh, foot went right. through the side of uh, a Nike sneaker. Which probably the Nike executives are probably the second I had I had seen in your article eh, the tickets had gotten close to two thousand five hundred dollars, close to a crazy. super a close yeah. to a Super Bowl ticket. Now I don't know yeah. if there's ever been an occasion like that where someone put that kind of money down and it was ripped away <laughs> well, that quickly. Personally I don't know but what about you guys? You know, I think that that that's obviously that, that's crazy money for a, for a regular season college basketball. It's not even like you know right. the finals of, of of the March Madness tournament. So, so what do you say to the people who are advising Zion Williamson shut it down? I think we're dealing with an NBA spin. I think some people still think, look, you can get hurt any time, anywhere. 
Uh, it could happen the first game. It could happen the third game. It, or, you know, Kyrie Irving was injured the fourth game, didn't play until the uh, the tournament, uh, came back for three games and was the number one pick. Uh, had 26 in the regional final in a game that Duke lost in 2011. So it's not like it hasn't happened at Duke before, but this is a six seven, two hundred eighty five pound man. You know, I mean, the thing I have the biggest problem with, he was playing in a, a pair of one hundred and ten dollar Nike <laughs> sneakers. I mean, most college players usually have uh, sneakers that are double that for just for the support. But you like playing in them, and you know, at Duke's floor, varnished. It was, Totally varnished. When he went, when he planted hard, I mean, he it, it went out completely. First, time, I will admit, first time I've ever seen it happen like that to a basketball player. But I guess you can't be surprised by anything. Uh, Certainly, Adidas and Under Armour uh, yeah. are happy about this situation. Well, Puma tried to jump in. They've been out of the game for the longest time, <laughs> and if that yes. wouldn't have happened. One of our shoes. So let, let, let's talk a, a, a little bit about that and the shoe contracts. And he's wearing 110 pair Nikes. Sure. So this is big money for the schools to sign the shoe contracts with the companies. And people can say, well, and, and if you put a bad spin on what happened, well, you know, Nike signed the contract right with the... Duke, and, and Duke's only in it for the money. They don't care about the players and the shoes. How much of a black mark is this? Is for Nike. Well, I think when they sign a player, okay, to an endorsement deal, they have the player in, and they go over outfitting him in a shoe that will protect him. Uh, this, this was his decision to play in the shoe. Nobody else's. And by the way, uh, you, you did you did report that he does have an insurance policy. Yeah, how about that? And that that's eight, talk a little bit about million dollar loss of value contract that kicks in if he is drafted below 16, which means he wouldn't make the same type of money. I mean, DeAndre Ayton last year made I think $12 million is the number one pick. Uh, I don't think that... And Michael Porter from Missouri was injured most of the season, and he still is a lottery pick. So I don't really think this this is if it's healthy. I mean, look, Joel Embiid didn't play uh, the last part of the season. We see where he's at. I don't think that you pass on a kid like that. So, you know, again, part of the discussion, at least for a fan, one of the disconcerting trends in college football uh, is for potential first round that picks to sit out the yep. ball games. I'm and, one of these people that think you sign a scholarship. Yeah. They market you the entire season. If you choose to turn your back, I, I'm against turning your back when your teammates in a bowl game. Do, do you see this happening uh, on college basketball? In in you know, I'm, I I I I think people would throw a hypothetical out there that it could happen, but it hasn't so far because so many teams. Are playing in the play in the tournament. You have 68 teams who all think they have a chance to pull off a miracle. Uh, in college football, a lot of players now are seeing 
postseason ball action unless it involves the 14 playoff is a waste of their time and they don't want to get hurt before the combine. I'm one of those people who still think that if you take the scholarship, you should stick with your team till the end of the season. Uh, if you don't want the scholarship, that's fine. Uh, you know, pay your own way, then you can determine what you do. I mean, look, and again, it just brings up the uh, the cost factor. Should college players be getting paid? Mm-hmm. I mean, should they be in a situation where uh, they get more than the cost of living stipend uh, because coaches and schools are making so much money off their talent? But uh, I guess that's still a different story. You make a decision whether you want to go to college. No one's forcing you to. But I think if you if you sign a if you sign a scholarship, I think it should be a contracted where you where you participate during your 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 season, and when you're done, then you can do whatever you want. I would say this: I would I, I would take away the rules preventing players from leaving early. I, I think by 2022, we're not going to have this conversation in basketball because the great players will be allowed to leave right out of high school and, and jump right to the league. Football right now still abides by a three-year minimum before you can go, but a lot of that has to do with growing into your body before you play professional football, which is a violent game and uh, carries an enormous risk uh, to it. So, I mean, I get that part of it, but I still think that if you're a skill position player and you think you're ready and you have the uh, required physical uh uh, talents, then you should be able to leave whenever you feel like it. Now, look, you, uh, that doesn't guarantee you're going to be a star. I mean, but I think basketball is a more predictable sport. I think that the gap between professional athletes and high school and college players is not so great as people think. But I will say this 2005 was the last year where players were allowed to leave right out of high school. There were nine kids drafted. Only one of them made an all-star team. Uh, You know, I mean, so nothing is guaranteed. I mean, people like Kobe and uh, Kevin Garnett and LeBron are generation players. Uh, uh, But that doesn't say that everyone uh, is going to be able to fulfill Full of destiny, just by jumping right out of high school. So, the important question is: if the NBA gets rid of the one and done rule, right? And, Which and I think they will. By the way, what, I mean, what, they've already. I mean, I mean, Adam Silver has already formally applied. I know that uh, it's a carrot and stick association, but I think that by the by, by, by within four years, we're going to see that rule. So what what will that do to college basketball? Will it? Will uh, it affect- you know what? We're talking about a rule that affects ten players. Okay. I mean, what, we're not talking. And we've had one and dones now for 
ever since 2006. And it doesn't affect the record. People turn on March Madness to watch the teams with the name or to bet the game. I mean, so it's not really going to change the interest level uh, in tournament play. Every year there's going to be a winner. Every year there's going to be 67 teams that wish they had one. But the interest level is still enormous during that month. Um, I, I would say this. I don't know that the interest level in college basketball is great until the last five weeks in the eyes of sports editors of local newspapers. I think that uh, I think that because so many teams make the tournament right now, um, the regular season means a lot less than it does football where the game, in effect, is a playoff. So you did an article that was on your website earlier this week about the upcoming college basketball corruption trials. Right. Can you sort of fill our audience in about what this is all about and why you think this is so significant? Well, I, I think this. I think that... Uh, if the defense, part of the defense for both Merrill Code and Christian Dawkins, who were uh, one of whom was a Nike exec, uh, an Adidas executive, the other a runner for an NBA agent, is that these people were not forced into uh, that that these people weren't forced into to making these decisions and. Their part of their defense is going to be uh, calling the potential of coaches to the stand to testify about their relationship with, uh, with 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 people on with third parties and in effect are in a situation where they are brokering deals for sending players to either a specific school or a specific agent or financial advisor after they graduate from that school. I mean, if we can speculate and say some of the big names are going to be called to the stand, it could get very interesting if they have to testify under oath. And I think that plays right into the Zion Williamson story that we were talking about before with the shoes and and him only sure. playing in a hundred dollar yeah. shoe. Should he be playing in something better? And and then can we follow that money back up a trail? And is there you know some deep dark history behind there about someone you know you met you quote in the in the article that it's not only jobs or no it's not only money but jobs that are sometimes offered to the parents oh, yeah. or I mean, I all mean, the different parents, avenues. I mean look right now. The biggest story in college basketball may not be the kids getting the money, but the parents of kids with their hands out asking for money so they can get paid up front as well as in the backside. So let's move actually on to action on the hardwood and talk a little bit. Uh, you know, March, March starts on Friday, which means that March Madness is just around the corner. Amazing. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the teams and the conference tournaments and Selection Sunday. Okay. So let's talk about which teams have surprised you so far, either way, because they've done better than you thought or because they have not been as good as you thought. Well, I think that any non-Power 5 team that is in the top 10 has surprised you. 
which means Nevada, which has got three kids, J.C. Carolina and the Martin Twins, who could be uh, on a pro roster next year, and Houston, which is a top-10 team that has one fairly high-profile player in Corey Lewis Jr., but nobody who was a lock to make the pros. Uh, those are probably, to me, the biggest surprises because Houston right now in most of the mock brackets is a three, is a solid four. Uh, now, could all that change uh, if those teams lose one or two more games? But right now, those are the biggest surprises. I mean, I think that Kelvin Sampson right now probably be the national coach of the year. You know, a lot of people are going to fall in love with Tom Izzo because he might win a Big Ten championship without two starters for an award who could be out. You know, one who has gone for the season, the other who could be out definitely. But but Kelvin's done a great job. He lost his leading score from last year, Ricky Gray. I mean, he's got got very good guard play. He He can put multiple players in the game who can... Score, but the greatest thing at Houston that they are ranked so high in uh, scoring defense, three-point defense, and field goal defense. I mean, they when they played Southern Florida, South Florida last night, South Florida shot thirty-one percent. When you play, if you don't make every open shot, there's a good chance you're going to lose. I mean, they could have very easily. Easily been the second weekend team last year. They had Michigan, and if Jordy Poole doesn't make that crazy three, a desperation shot at the buzzer, they advanced the second weekend. Michigan, who went on to play in the national championship game, is gone. So, and I think this team is better. Okay, so you're you're based in Philly, which means you get to see a lot of Nova, and here in New York, I've watched a lot of St. John's, and both teams puzzle me. I mean, especially, you know, I mean, Nova, you know, losing to Xavier today. Uh, St. John's. Five. Beats, what? That's 405 now. Yeah. They've lost. Yeah. And so, and St. John's can beat the good teams, but can't beat the bad teams in conference. <laughs> so, so what, what do you make of both teams? What do you make of Nova and what that is coming, you know, looking ahead to March Madness? I assume they will make the tournament. I, I think Villanova is a very fragile team. I think they totally dependent on the two seniors that are Pascal and Phil Booth. Today, Phil Booth did not have a field goal in the second half. Uh, they they have gone through stretches during a 10-game win streak where they've had double-digit threes, but they've become, in my mind, overly dependent on the three. Forty-three percent of their shots are threes. And when they have a game like they had at Marquette where one point late in the game, they're four for 22, you t- it's a high-risk reward situation. I think that sometimes you get spoiled. Last year, they had six players that can make a three in a competitive game. Uh, and you saw the way they shot it against Kansas. You saw the way that they shot it against Michigan on the stage at Houston. They don't have those type, that type of personnel. I think that they misevaluated their freshmen. Sadiq Bay is probably the only player uh, in that class who will make uh, an impact before he graduates. Uh, uh, 
And uh, frankly, I will. I think that they jumped at the chance to take a fifth-year player, Joe Cremo, from uh, from Albany, and he is a America East player. And I think people have figured him out. So that leaves Villanova roughly with four players because Samuels can't really shoot the ball, and. Uh, uh, you are at, you, you're at risk any time you can't score the ball. Today, they went seven minutes without scoring a point against Xavier, and Xavier just scored 16, 17 straight points. St. John's, very good against Marquette, very good against Villanova. But, you know, for all we know, they could lose in the first round of the tournament. I mean, they get deep in the tournament, they might have a chance to win the whole thing. Uh, I like their length at the guard spots, uh, but boy, they go off the rails. And when they go off the rails, like they do against Providence, it's, it, 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 it becomes an enigma to me how they uh, find a way. Now, they, they're the only team in the country that really has got Marcus Howard's number. I mean, he struggles against length at the guard and quickness at the guard spots. He has had two four shooting nights, and one night where he didn't even crack double figures. Yeah. I mean, when they play that way, there's a one-over game uh, in the Garden. I don't know if that was as much St. John's as it was the one-over, mm-hmm. letting a 19-point lead to spread her away in the second half. But, you know, St. John's has got a legitimate guard in Shamari Ponds. They hit their first five is is good enough to be a third-place team in the league. But I'm not sure how good the league is. And I think you have a, a lot more teams that all have parity this year than maybe ever before. So taking a look, you know, what, what are the conferences or teams that need to make Long runs in the conference tournaments to make it a big dance. You know, people. This is the time you see everybody puts out their 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 bubble list, bubble watch. Who's on the bubble? Who needs to do what? You know, who who are the teams that you think might squeak by who are on the bubble to look at, and who are the teams you think will be disappointed and end up in the NIT this year? Mm, I think Creighton will end up in the NIT this year. Uh, I can't say Butler's a lock to get in. Uh, I don't know that the Atlantic 10 is good enough to get more than one team in. So the, the loser of that tournament, whether it's Davidson, VCU, or George Mason, probably two of those teams probably end up in the NIT. Uh, down south, I'm not sold on uh, teams with losing records like Florida and Alabama getting in. I think Texas is uh, is on bubble. I'm not sure Arizona State will get in when all things are said and done. Uh, as far as Indiana has really suffered an enormous meltdown from early January. Now in the league, they've now lost 12 of their last 13 games. I, I think that they are a big disappointment. Not frankly, I mean, there are teams that like Minnesota that still have losing records and might get in because it's a weak bubble. But I'm not sure whether any team with a losing record in conference play should get in. So last year, 
we saw the first ever defeat of a one seed by a 16 seed when UMBC yep. beat Virginia. And Virginia now is back ranked, you know, three, and everybody once again predicts they'll be a one seed and move on. You know, we haven't seen okay. the brackets yet. Nobody knows that. But if there was a sleeper team out there, you say, you know what? They're playing one of these, you know, conferences you never heard of, but they got some <laughs> players. Who, who, who has the potential of being this year's UMBC? I don't know if there is a team at 16 this year that could beat a one. I, I, I don't think. I mean, look, I didn't even know. I, I was as shocked as anybody. Now, just remember, DeAndre Hunter did not play in that game. You, I mean, if he plays. But, you know, what? when you play, when you're a one-trick pony and you play 70 yeah. and you play a one style where you try to take the other team out but can't necessarily score over 70, it can catch up to you. And it caught up to them that night. They fell behind. I mean, I've, uh, I'm still pretty shocked by what happened, but it got uh, it got Coach Odom some more money. I know that. <laughs> it's always good for the coaches. So, <laughs> always good for the coaches. One, one, one last thing before we let you go. Over the years, sure everybody's become familiar with, and some people criticize the RPI. You know what the RPI was as a tool in ranking the basketball team. So this year, the NCAA came up with a new system, the net. So can you let our listeners know a little bit, what is the difference, and, and do you think this will correct the, quote, injustices that happened? No, I don't. I, I, don't. I, I'm still, I wish, look, numbers can say anything, okay? I'm one of these people who still believes in the eye test. You should be able to tell whether a team uh, is good enough by watching them play. But no one wants to be wrong, so everybody wants to go into that meeting and use the numbers to justify their decision. Uh, I, I, I was never a total believer in the RPI. All of these numbers tend to work against mid-major teams because those teams don't play in strong leagues, so they don't get a chance to build numbers against quadrant one teams. And frankly, no one will play them on their home court. Unless you go to a tournament and get a team on a, on a, in December uh, on a neutral site, you have limited opportunities to build up uh, your ranking. Okay. Ryan, yeah. you had a question? Yeah, I had one more. It was kind of a follow-up sure, to sure. where we started in, in the interview <laughs> talking of Yeah, all the way back. back. You know, we go full circle here. Um, so talking about Zion and the one-and-dones, too, not just Zion, but – how it would be invaluable for Zion to get the experience of playing in the tournament, but also something more specifically with the coaching that he's receiving from Coach K. I heard an interesting point this week that he might never ever receive coaching of this same value that he's getting, even if it is for one year. What do you think of that, of of a player maybe sticking around just for the relationship? I think you make an excellent I think that uh, I think a lot of times in teaching and trying to win games, and younger players don't always access to pure teaching from a head coach. I mean, if you aren't ready to play, they're going to play the players they can win with. And a lot of times, 
younger players. Now they get a chance to play all the time. So their game should improve just by playing all the time. But I'm not sure if they get the same teaching instruction they get, even from one year. Take a look at the amount of people who have improved playing for John Calipari. I mean, I mean, when he walks into my house, he walks in with a portfolio, and the only thing that's on the portfolio are first pictures round picks. of the kids, <laughs> pictures of the kids, and the numbers that they're making. Yep. Yeah, and and where they go, yeah. the selections, all the number right. one right. picks right. that he's got right. too. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Hey, come right. play for me. Yeah. yeah. Okay, hoops. So let tell our listeners, please, how they can. Uh, catch up with you and stay in touch with everything well, you're I just, doing. I just finished a book with Dick Vitale uh, called, uh, on his Mount Rushmore as a college basketball. I uh, get me at hoopswaste.com. You can get me at Blue Star Media. You can get me uh, uh, you can get me at uh, I, I, I write a column for the American Conference uh, and uh, uh I basically, Blue Star Media is a uh, a website that literally sends me all over the world covering U.S. teams playing international basketball. So it's, I mean, while newspapers are dying, this has given me an opportunity to visit places I would never get to visit before, places like Dubai and and, uh, and Barcelona and uh, the Canary Islands. Uh, this summer, I'm going to be going to Crete, and I'm going to go to China for World Championships. And next summer, I've already got a credential to Tokyo. So, you know, I think you always – I miss not having a voice in New York, but I'm not sure of anybody outside the post that a voice in New York. <laughs> yeah, well, so, totally. Because, because yeah. the college team yeah. are, uh, are, are now. And if you are not from St. John's, hardly get any attention at all in the pros. Yeah. That's sad. When I was there, we had uh, well, we're losing you a little bit. Maybe at Seton Hall, yet Iona to some extent got some sort of yeah, yes. Even and LIU. I couldn't cover St. John's every did all the national stuff. So oh, we sure. had a we had a pretty good college section. Yeah. Uh, and uh and it was great because when I was there, we had a million circulations, particularly on Sundays. It was a fabulous place to work at. But as newspapers started yeah. to die, well, those, everything else. Those were my, my days, Dick. I was the deputy sports editor at Newsday. And I, I knew oh, that is so great. Well, then, was, you, then you can totally appreciate yeah, it. I fully appreciate that. So, anyway. Hey, listen, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed the interview. Wait, that wait. was excellent. You guys did a terrific wait. job. Thank you. We love having you. Hope we can have you again uh, maybe this time next year. That would be my pleasure. Okay. Okay, guys, listen, Thanks. everybody have a good night. Thanks. Okay? Same to you. you that too. is Thank you. Dick Hoopsweiss, uh, the Dean of College Basketball Writers. We'll be back and talk hockey after these words. <laughs>